Hi there and welcome to Vroom, your weekly motorsport fix with me, Michael Hill. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to the latest Champions Special. Uh, this week we are talking to the 2021 Supersport 300 World Champion Adrian Huertas. And to kick things off, in a few moments' time we'll be talking to Axel Peterson, the young teenager who made his Moto America debut in 2021. Lots to look forward to with the two interviews. It was a great, uh, great couple of days uh, recording with these two youngsters, both of them destined for great things. A quick reminder that you can follow us on social media if you've got any questions uh, that you'd like to put to any of our future riders or if you'd like to suggest uh, stars of two or four wheels that you'd like us to speak to, just fire them across on social media. You can either contact us on at uh, mhillofficial on Twitter or on Instagram. As I said, in the coming weeks, we'll be talking to top rack Raz Gatlioglu. We're also going to be talking to uh, some stars of the trials and enduro world uh, once we get into January. And we also have some really exciting guests lined up on four wheels as well. Possibly even a Formula One star, no less. So stay tuned as we bring you more information about that once we get Christmas out of the way. But for now, sit back, uh, sit back relax, put in the headphones and let's get ready for our first guest. My first guest this week on the Vroom podcast is teenager Axel Pedersen, who is uh, dialing in now from sunny Bangkok. Well, I say sunny Bangkok. I don't know whether it's sunny, rainy. Are we still in the middle of the rainy season? But he's dialing in right now and he's uh, in front of a very impressive uh, green screen, it looks like. He currently looks like he's standing on the grid at the Chang International Circuit in Buriram, uh, which looks as though in the background there, it looks like an Asia Talent Cup race is kicking off in the background there, Axel. But uh, thank you for joining us, buddy. How are you? Oh, I'm great. Thanks, Michael, for having me. No, good stuff. And again, just do my eyes deceive me. I don't have my contact lenses in and it's quite small behind it. Is that the, uh, it is Asia Talent Cup on there, isn't it? That is, in fact, the Asia Talent Cup, yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff, of course. Well, for those of you that uh, are not familiar with the name, Axel Peterson, the young teenager, uh, was uh, in Moto America, or should I say on Moto America duty this year. He made his debut in Moto America Junior Cup, and uh, we'll talk to him a little bit about that. But before all of that, I've got to ask you, what is, what is life like uh, living and racing in uh, in Thailand? Because you've got a very similar story to, to Liam McDonald, who we had on the show uh, about 18 months ago, uh, a Kiwi who moved across to live in Malaysia. Uh, similar story, a Kiwi living in Thailand. So uh, not yeah. just to Liam McDonald. Um, how are things going for you over there? So for me, um, well, I, this is my home. You know, I'm, I'm a Kiwi or half Australian, actually, that's born in Thailand that's grown up in a Thai neighborhood with all my neighbors being pretty much Thai. And for me, I felt very uh, secluded and not had very much influence from other people except for in my school. So I took a lot of uh, inspiration from my parents and my mom is, is a petrol head or in Australia, we call it a, a bogan. <laughs> so she always had the formula one on TV. And when MotoGP came to Thailand, it was, it was the time when, um, I don't know, the, the stars aligned, I guess, and uh, it, became, it became my thing. 
Yeah, well, I've had the pleasure of meeting uh, your mom, of course, and, and your and your good self uh, this year. And uh, I I can confirm, ladies and gents, his mom is a petrol head. I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, she gave me a run for my money. I remember chatting to her. I think it was at um, at Pittsburgh, and we were talking about statistics, and uh, uh, and she was correcting me on a couple of things. I was like, Jesus, she's after my job. Like she uh, she knows her stuff, doesn't she? <laughs> yeah, she loves it. She loves it, and that's why um, I think my development as a racer has become so much like has been so so much faster than other people like i i'm i started very late i started riding a motorbike i learned to ride a clutch motorbike at the age of 14 or 15 and now i can try to mix it with some of the uh the young guns but i feel like some children have that opposition from their parents when they want to start motorcycle racing you know it's it's a dangerous sport, but my mom says, okay, there's safety these days. It's, it's not as dangerous as it used to be. You're a smart kid. You can take calculated risk. If you want to do it, I'm happy to do it. But if any time you feel that you're not cut out for it, it's completely up to you. And that, that form of no pressure and how it's my choice and I get to go out and race because I love it, that's what's made me able to progress so fast. See, I love that. I mean, I, again, as you know, I've been in the, the championships around the world for, for many, many years. And, and you know, I've, I've seen it firsthand where you see riders, young riders that have got talent, but the pressure from their parents is insane. And you see it in other forms of sport as well, don't you? Not just in, in, in motorcycle racing, you see it in tennis and football and, you know, all, all those kind of things. Um, but I think they, I think it's great. I think that, and as you said, you can go out and have fun. And you know what? Not everybody's ever going to be a Mark Marquez, right? Um, not everyone is going to yeah. get to the top, but that doesn't mean you can't have fun and have a great career. I mean, it's, it's interesting as well, just hearing you talk there about you can mix it with some of the young guns. I mean, you're still only about 17 or 18 yourself, right? I mean, it's not like you're 45. I mean, how, how old are yeah, you? But- let's, just, let's just, let's paint a picture for our listeners because we, we often get six or 7,000 people listening and not everybody will have followed Moto America. So not everybody will be familiar with you. So let's let's turn the clock back and, and All right. 10 or 15 minutes. Let's, let's talk about how you got into racing. Um, um, I know you said you were maybe 14. Um, and also let's talk a little bit about the, the racing scene in Thailand, because, you know, it's, there are some very professional teams out there, but there aren't many circuits to race on. So again, I guess you're limited in terms of where you can ride. Yeah. So I'm 17. Now I had my birthday right before the Minnesota round of Moto America. So that was July 23rd. And I started racing in 2020, actually last year. And COVID, for me, it canceled my end-of-year examinations for my school. So basically, April, around April till June, we have study leave where we're allowed to take time off as a student and dedicate more time towards studying. And COVID canceled the exam. So that mean, meant I had a six-month six month gap year as a uh, 16 year old kid and there's only one thing you do as a 16 year old kid who loves motorbikes uh, you go out you go to the track and you find the guy who's fastest and you say i want to beat him i love that i love yeah. that so so basically what you're saying is covid actually has done some good in a in a bizarre way not trying to make light of covid i know it's been a very difficult pandemic for a lot of people i'm not trying to make light of it yeah. but in your case um, the COVID pandemic actually enabled you to spend more time on a bike. And I guess that's what opened the door for you to, to speak to the guys at Kalishine Racing, obviously Aiden Tao, uh, yeah. a racer. And that that's opened a really... the door for you to, to spread your wings, jump on a plane and go to America. I mean, if it hadn't been that's... for COVID, that wouldn't have happened. 
Yeah, that Cali Shine story, that's one for later in this podcast because that's really, really like spontaneous. That's a super spontaneous story. Basically, it was around July 10th and the racing in Thailand, you know, Thailand had been getting hit with um, COVID waves. We had basically the majority of 2020 from around July till December 2020 as a no risk, no lockdowns. And then as soon as January hit, we had on and off lockdowns and the season got postponed once then twice then three times. And then finally, July 10th, it got postponed indefinitely. No date for me to look forward to. I'd been training so hard with my new coach at the time, Ben Reed, who's really knowledgeable from his time in CEV Moto2, running teams in CEV Moto3, and of course, the coach of Remy Gardner, who now just took the Moto2 championship. So yeah, I've been working really hard with him and to have all that effort, not go to anything, you know, I just, okay, I had two minutes where I felt like helpless, like, what am I going to do? Sure. And then after that, I'm like, okay, how are we going to ensure that we get some racing in this year? So I jumped on my phone. I, I knew of Cali Shine because I'd seen them on Facebook somewhere, never spoken to them before, but I just <laughs> direct messaged Low, Aiden's dad, the team owner of Cali Shine on Facebook. Hi, um, the season in Thailand just got postponed indefinitely. Um, do you guys have a bike for me to come to Moto America? I love that. I think that is great. I think that is so, so cool. Um, and obviously the guys, they, they welcomed you with open arms. And I know obviously I met you when you came out and you did a couple of rounds. Uh, and I think we, we spoke about it in, uh, in pit race uh, and a couple of the rounds that you were at. And, and, and it was a big eye opener for you, wasn't it? Because as you said, you know, that the racing, I'm not saying the racing level in Thailand is not world class because we've seen some of the fantastic riders, Ratapak, Ratapong, Willarot, uh, you know, just to name two um, that have, have won world championship races. I mean, he, um, Ratapak, uh, Willerot won the first ever race at the Chang International Circuit in, in World Series. Yeah. So there is talent in Thailand, but, you know, it's a big eye-opener coming, as you said, as a young kid that started late. You didn't ride a bike, I think you said 14 earlier in, in this podcast. So. Yeah, 14, I was riding a scooter just around my like compound, like my gated community, just maybe uh, going a bit, a bit too fast for the security but it's a it's a funny story of how every week there was a uh, a ring on the doorbell from the security talking to uh, my mum and my tie is better than hers so I tried to cover up what I'd done wrong but it was always but basically you were just being a hooligan around the estate basically is what you were doing you were just causing havoc and I'm on street tires and I used to have a challenge <laughs> which was called um Try to do a front drift, which I didn't know at the time was actually locking the front. So <laughs> I used to just try and lock the front wheel for fun. I can imagine it. I mean, I, I've been fortunate enough with, with my job in World Superbike to be to been to Buriram three times, and uh, you know, just even just driving along the road from the hotel with you know scooters with seven people on the scooter coming in the wrong direction on the same ride at the side of the road. It's kind of like, oh my god, like what is going on? I'm just visualizing you now going completely crazy, locking the front, being chased by a security guard, trying to get your bike back before you mum see. I can just visualize it. Brilliant. I love it. I love it, it. it was never a chase. It was always a uh it was an instant outrunning. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. <laughs> As you said, you then made it across to, to Moto America, which is which is great. Um, 
but it was an eye opener for you, wasn't it? I remember talking to you going, geez, like I thought I was quite fast, you know, not, you weren't being arrogant. You said in Thailand, yeah. I'm quite fast. I'm running at the front and here I'm, I'm 10th. I'm fighting for 10th place. It's, and I think that for, for, for anybody is difficult to contend with, but how did you, how did you process that? Because it's not, not easy, is it? It's not easy. I just took everything as a learning experience. You know, I knew that, okay, you're going to have to race next year in Thailand you know that you're able to fight towards the front in Thailand already. Now learn as much as you can in this like very unique opportunity that you have here in Moto America and take back, take that back to Thailand and do what you can there with the new knowledge that you've gained. And I turned up to Moto America, not having ridden the bike, never ridden on Dunlop tires, never ridden on slick tires for that matter. And I just hopped on it. First session was nervous. It, we luckily had the Dunlop tire test at Brainerd. And I was so grateful. I don't know what I would have done without that. And the first session scared, scared, scared me so much. Yeah. I'm, was it, what, just, just because it was just how, how fast these kids were or just... The, you know, it's Moto America, Michael. You know, imagine that, you know, you've just been doing your local series and then you get to go to Moto America. It feels like you, you just got called up to go to the world championships, you know, like it's it's... It's the biggest yeah, I, opportunity. I, 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 yeah, I guess maybe I'm, I see it from a different point of view, I guess, because I'm not on the track and, and I'm fortunate enough to have been in world championships and being around. And, yeah, you know, exactly. I imagine, as you said, you rock up at a paddock when you've you've been riding at sort of a localised race and all of a sudden... It's, and, and I think the thing as well is Moto America now is not just a national series, is it? It's one of the biggest yeah. domestic championships in the world. I mean, look at the nationalities that are taking part. I think more than 30 nationalities took part in Moto America this year. Yeah. So it, it's huge now. Um, plus, you've got all the TV. And then you get some bald-headed English guy running around with a microphone trying to talk to you, which, of course, probably scares the hell out of you, which just makes it... No, I love it. Time. I love it. It makes it... It's it's just like the perfect American summer, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I've got to say, I, I love it. I mean, I love all the jobs that I've got, but I, 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 there is a, there's a special place in my heart for the, for the job I've got in Moto America because, as you said, they, they just embrace racing. It doesn't matter whether it's Junior Cup that you're in, whether it's the Superbike class, whether it's King of the Baggers, which still baffles the hell out of me, but it's all good. Um, you know. Oh, don't worry. And Thailand has their own version of King of the Baggers. You spoke about uh, the guys racing on scooters. You've probably heard of scooter racing, but mm -hmm. in Thailand, we have a lot of delivery services that have the big delivery boxes for your food on the back. Now, those drivers, they go out and they race each other representing their delivery company. Yeah, actually, that's funny because well, the first year that we went to to Buriram, um, 20, was it 2017, 26? I can't remember the year that we first went there now. But um, and I remember on the the first day and the the, the organisers uh, or the, the people that owned the circuit, we did like the football stadium tour and things like that, which was which was really really cool. Um, yeah. And then they said, "Oh, tonight you need to come along to the drag strip." And we're like, what? "Yes, what drag strip?" And then everybody from I remember everyone from Dawn or a load of teams. And what they'd done is the basic the entrance road to the circuit they erected these lights and it became a drag strip. And you, there yeah, was 2,000 people racing up and down this drag strip on these scooters and different bikes. I mean, we stayed there till about 11 o'clock at night. It was crazy. Yeah. It's, it's basically, there's a race. It still happens. Um, and just the last race we had in Buriram on the uh, 17th of October, it actually had drag racing in the evenings, but it was a full wet weekend. So they had to, wait until about 3 a.m at nine until it was 
ready to go. But the reason they didn't call it off was because it's it's high stakes. They're racing one race, which is the thousand cc superbike drag race, which is for I think it's about forty thousand US dollars prize money just in that race. Wow. Well, I mean, it's, I was, I mean, I was blown away. I know that the first year we came, they, they said, oh, expect a lot of people, a lot of people turning up. I think we had something like 80,000 fans that were there. And I'm sure 79,000 turned up on a scooter. I mean, you couldn't move for the amount of people there. It was, it was. That's why the Yamaha and Honda, it's such a great thing to do to be able to go racing because you think about how many scooters there are. Maybe they're not all buying CBR thousands or yamaha r1s but they think okay honda's making the best bike in the big class that means my scooter's definitely going to be like that and i feel like that's the the essence of why people want to go racing but i think world superbike you know they'd sell superbikes but thailand superbike it sells hundreds of thousands of scooters that you'll see on the street today yeah, for sure. For sure. Now, obviously, um, we're recording this uh, at the beginning of December, 3rd of December. And I know that we'd we'd spoken a little bit and I was hopefully going to come out to Thailand for the final round of uh, the Thai Championship. But of course, again, not wanting to go into a COVID podcast, but all the new regulations mean it's not possible to travel. So uh, I'm not going to be able to come out and, and see you uh, trackside. But your season's not finished, is it? I mean, I know um, Australian Championship is this weekend. I think Jack Miller, yeah. Hook and all the guys there are fighting for the, the Aussie Championship. Um, but the Thai Championship is the week after. So you've still got another race in Thailand. Yeah, we we still got it. And um, it's going to be big. Uh, all the all the factory teams are pulling out the, the big stops. Um, it's the final race. What the rumors are saying is it's the final race of Kawasaki Thailand racing team in the oh, Thai really? Championship. It's what the tabloids are saying, the, the motorcycle racing tabloids. So take everything I say with a pinch of salt, but it could be Ting Notes last race for the Thai factory Kawasaki team. Yeah, and, and for those that are listening, again, we, we get a lot of car um, followers, so some of these names might not be familiar, but Ting Note is, is yeah. his nickname. Um, he is a super talented Thai rider. He was also uh, has also raced as a wild card in, in World Superbike and a very, very talented rider. And as yeah, you said, he did two, two full seasons in Moto2 and yeah. um, two half seasons as well. Yeah, so I think a lot of experience. Said, I mean, he, he rides for the Kawasaki um, sort of racing team in Thailand, and let's make no mistake. I know when we've seen when we've seen wildcard teams turning up, even the Yamaha team in uh, over there as well. You know, Yamaha, Kawasaki, Honda. These are professionally run teams. Any of these teams could slot into a World Superbike or Moto America. Well, certainly World Superbike, Moto America, British Superbikes. They're full factory teams. I mean, the, the personnel behind them is insane. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's really, I think overlooked sometimes when you think of thailand you maybe think of okay maybe it's a couple of guys they've got their bikes and they just go out and race but in thailand it's the factory teams are the ones that are dominating but you can't dominate a championship with just one one or two riders you know in the super sport class in thailand there's factory honda factory kawasaki and they've each got three riders that are battling it out and yamaha is bringing back Kemeth Kubo from the CEV Moto2, who will race in Moto2 next year for the final round to contest in the 600s. And it's, 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 it's going to be big. It's a two-race weekend, and yeah, it's going to be a big party. Yeah, for sure. And I know one of the things that you've also um, been really proud of, and, and rightly so as well, is you've also been able to help some of the young 
young aspiring racers as well. I mean, you're still relatively young, um, as, as we've already talked about in, in the show today, but uh, you're also out there giving little pointers and helping young kids as well, which uh, is, I think is really cool. I think it's a super, super cool thing. Yeah. Yeah, in, in the beginning, it was, um, I turned up to the go-kart track on my, uh, in Thailand, we have CBR 150. So you're probably familiar with the CBR 300. It's similar to that, just half the displacement. And it's what we use for the go-kart track. So no Ovalis here yet. But I hopped on one of those and was getting destroyed by the, the kids, you know, you know, taken down the inside at, the, at every corner and then out around the outside at, every other corner as well and in the beginning it was very like oh my god these kids are they're legends <laughs> these are the next mark marquezes and then you know okay a couple of months went by and okay now i started dive bombing the kids and then it, you start to get it and then obviously i went to moto america and i came back and you know there's a lot of mind games in thai thai racing i think it's my class is very similar to uh, moto three where in qualifying everyone's backing off, trying to find that toe. Now my, my best qualifying position, which was third in my class was achieved just by going out there and doing laps, going by myself. And it's similar to what Sergio Garcia did at the Valencia round in qualifying. Yeah. Just got to go out there, avoid all the shenanigans and set some laps, but there's a lot of mind games and it, it makes it fun. If you, if you can handle the heat, you know, yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's interesting the way that you talk that, you know, you've already had a couple of races in Moto America, but you've been able to translate that when you come back and you, you've learned a lot. And I know obviously your aspiration is to try and stay in Moto America, but again, now you've got to go back to school. So unfortunately, uh, you know, education is important. And I think also that's really commendable as well. And I think that's testament to, you know, to you and your mom and your dad and everybody as well to say, look, education is important because if, if it doesn't work out and you can't be a successful racer, you need something to fall back on. And I think a lot of kids don't have that behind them. And I think you're very, very fortunate. Like I said, when, when we met in, in yeah. America, you know, you are, you seem a very smart kid. You're very clued up. I know obviously we've, we've talked a little bit as well in Moto America and, and also prior to the podcast, you know, you've got a lot of other skills that, you know, for whatever decision you make, you can still be involved in motorsport if it doesn't work out as a rider. And I think yeah. all those, all those strings that you've got to your bow, I, I think it's fantastic. I think it's great. Yeah. And I've just applied in this week um, to five American universities. So, uh, you know, I'm coming. <laughs> oh God, America better Hopefully. watch out. America, America better watch out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So just just make sure wherever you stay that you don't stay in that dodgy hotel where we stayed. Um, was that mm, that was an interesting oh, experience. God, that was horrific. I mean, we won't bore all of our listeners to death, but I think we triple locked the doors and uh, I put the I put the bed against mine. I was petrified. I mean, we we stayed in this hotel uh, on the last night before we before we flew out. I was flying back to to Europe, and obviously Axel was flying. And uh, there was all kinds of hell going on. I don't know realistically what was being thrown and the kids being shouted out. At one point, the kid got hurled out of the room and it was the, one of the kids was actually playing with football in the room and then that banged through my window. It was just horrific. And then I opened the door about to scream and shout and who walks down the corridor is Axel and his mom. And I was about to let rip and I was like, oh, it's you. Because I heard the door go again. Was, it wasn't me making the noise, Michael. It was crazy. I just turned it? up. That was a crazy night. That was unbelievable. I'd never been so scared in my life. I used, I thought they were going to come through the wall. It was unbelievable. Oh, it's 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 all part of the experience. It's character building. 
Yeah, really? Is that what you call it? Maybe for you. I was just I was just not looking forward to the jet lag going back, thinking if I don't sleep tonight, I'm going to be a zombie when I get to Portimao. But anyway. Oh, yeah. Well, you had a probably an eight-hour flight transatlantic, but I was on a uh, 30-hour expedition back to my my hometown in yeah, Bangkok. Not easy, not easy for you. And then I think you had to quarantine as well when you got back, didn't you? 14 days of hotel quarantine. No, well, I, I, feel, no, I feel your pain. I mean, uh, yeah, look, luckily this year I've been able to do that. The two quarantines I've needed to do, I've been very fortunate to be able to do them in Spain where I've been able to move around a little bit. So I've not been confined to, to a hotel. Um, I've been mm. quarantined in, in Qatar for the GP and we did quarantine also for, for the Indonesian round of World Superbike. And even after two yeah. days, I was climbing the wall. I mean, there's only, only so many episodes of Squid Game that you can watch, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, how did you like Indonesia? I loved it. You know, I actually loved it. I really, really liked it. I mean, I've always enjoyed when we've been to uh, to Sepang in the past or when I've been to Buriram. So I knew it was going to be, you know, I knew the fans would be passionate. And, you know, for sure there were things, the infrastructure around the, the circuit in Lombok wasn't quite finished. But, you know, my, my feeling is that they did a great job. You know, the weekend went ahead. We were unfortunate a little bit with the weather, but we can't yeah. control that. You know, everyone's complaining about the weather. But, you know, I was in Lombok for five days and we didn't have any rain, not not one little bit. It was perfect. And then, unfortunately, on the two days of the racing, we got rain. I mean, <laughs> it can happen anywhere, you know. So, yeah. You know, but I, I think they did a really, really great job. And I think that you know, from what they've built in a very short space of time, I think when MotoGP goes there um, next February, March, I think you'll see a massive, massive step already. Yeah. Um, but they were working around the clock. I mean, nobody can take yeah. away the commitment. I mean, the facility, the circuit itself was awesome. I mean, I thought the circuit. I was, I was keeping, I was keeping up to date. You know, checking Instagram every day. Oh, they've painted the curbing. Oh, it's, it's all coming together. And um, it's a shame. World Supersport 300. It's not going to be there because I really want to. I really want to have a go around that track. Yeah, that would be cool. And I think you know. <laughs> Obviously, who knows what happens in the future? But I think because of the pandemic, it, it makes sense. Uh, I mean, it was a yeah, massive effort, a massive effort to get everybody there. I think you know, just to get the I... exception letters. I mean, to suddenly bring another another championship category with yeah. three hundred people is is like it's crazy. But um... I feel like that's what makes World Supersport probably the most um, the most achievable like level of world championship racing. It's the most. Um, how do I say this? It's the it's probably the easiest and most cost effective one that you can go and enter as a as a young racer that's trying to enter a world championship. Moto three has you know you have to be confident with that type of machinery and that type of machinery. It doesn't just come out of a uh, dealership down the road. Yeah, you, you, you need money, uh, right? I mean that, that exactly right. Yeah. And, and I think it's and I think you're you're absolutely right. And I think that where the the Super Sport three hundred World Championship has evolved. I mean. The lap times are not too dissimilar to Moto3. Okay. No, they're not. Still a, still a few seconds for sure. But th these are little road bikes, right? These are little road bikes with slick tires and, and a few modifications. Well, back in, back in, back last year, because World Supersport 300 had never been to Buriram. And I was curious to know what, what lap times they'd be doing if they went to Buriram. So I uh, looked at Aragon, okay? And I looked at the Moto3 lap time. And then I calculated the uh, the lap time of World Supersport 300 as a percentage of Moto3. And okay, and I kind of got an average, like how much percent slower they are. And then I was like, okay, I have Moto3's lap time. Let's put that on Buriram. Okay, they'll be at a 146, 147. And then I turn up there, oh, okay, I'm doing one, 150 something. So I'm not, not there yet. 
not yeah, there just, yet. But just 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 a diff, just a different gear at turn one, and we'll be all right, mate. We'll be all right. But, <laughs> exactly. but, but also, again, I mean, it's not a direct comparison. Also, because of the nature of the circuit, I mean, Buriram, you've got that yeah. huge long straight as well. Um, yeah. And things like that. So I want to talk to you as well about some of the other things we've, we've been chatting for sort of um, 17, 18 minutes. Um, so just some of the other things you've been involved with. I mean, you, you, you're obviously active and very sporty, but you've been in a rock band as well. Tell us about that, because, I mean, I'm, I'm always looking I'm always looking for guest bands and guest appearances for the Paddock Show, mate. I mean, uh, we're always oh, looking yeah. for, for musical talent. So um, if I'm doing a uh, wild card in World Super Sport 300 or World Super Sport, I will bring out the drums and I will uh, play you some ACDC. Well, a- AC- that's my AC- bet I'm making. Yeah, well, ACDC is the theme tune. We play Thunderstruck. That is the music of champions. So the music that we play as the riders come into the paddock is Thunderstruck ACDC. So um, are you a bit of a rocker at heart then? Is that, is that, your, is that yeah. your go-to genre? Yeah, it's um, it's just a, a genre of music. You know, it's not very common with my generation, I guess, but like I said, you know, I get, got most of my influences from my parents. They always had Guns and Roses and the Foo Fighters. See, I can imagine. I, can, I mean, I've not. I mean, I've spoken to your dad obviously when we, we've done Zoom calls and, and yeah. etc. But I, I've met your mum in person. I can imagine your mum standing on a table twenty years ago, rocking her little socks off. I can just visualize it now. <laughs> you probably don't yeah, want to visualize sure. it, but I could. I could. I can visualize it. I'm like, yeah, she. she no, she, she would be going. The for funny it, thing sure. is, you don't have to go back twenty years for that. <laughs> <laughs> She's, you know, she's nearly uh, 51, but she's got the heart of a uh, 25 year old. And, you know, if you if you heard her speak and if you heard about some of the things she does, you'd never believe she's 51. Wow. Well, I tell you what, she, she's going to love she's going to love you for this. I mean, the amount of the, I know the, the amount of people that potentially could listen, listen to this podcast There's somewhere in the region of 250,000 people if everybody retweeted at minimum. So I don't know whether she's going to love the fact that you've just told the whole world how old she is or the fact that she's a, a diehard rock chick or, or whatever. But uh, it's, <laughs> it, it, I mean, I, I think we should say it here right now, tune in to the uh, to the expose of, uh, of Mrs. Peterson. Uh, tickets go on sale 10 euros. And we'll start recording at midnight uh, for the unscripted show. What, what do you reckon, mate? There, there you go. That'll get you a wild card, mate. We'll, we'll tell all the secrets of your mum from back in the day. And um, you'll be on a factory Kawasaki next year. Oh, hopefully, uh, you know, 10, 10, 10 euros a uh, pop and um, I can fund my ride for next year. That sounds uh, great. It would be good. It would be good. So I've got to just finish off just a couple of quick questions before we uh, before we let you go. Um, otherwise, we'll still be talking and you'll miss your uh, your your ride up to Buriram and you won't be racing this weekend because obviously I get paid. <laughs> I get paid by the word, mate. So uh, I, I do tend to. Oh, yeah. On. And I get paid for hours of sleep and it's edging closer to midnight. I know. We we've been, we were talking for about 35, 40 minutes before we started recording, ladies and gents. So uh, you know what it's like when you get uh, Axel who likes to talk and me who gets paid to talk. I mean, it's a, it's a recipe for disaster, isn't it? It really is. But um, <laughs> Axel, very quickly, um, what is the plan then for next year? And obviously school is important. You're going to stay in Thailand. Is the plan to contest the, the Thai championship then? Is that where we can expect to see you next year? Next year, I will... F- for sure be doing some rounds in the Thai championship. I can't say if it's going to be all of them because I have no idea when the calendar is. If I'm going to university in the U S which is still an unknown, I could be out of here by July next year. And that means trying to get something together for Moto America. But if I'm, you know, staying here and finishing my exams and then I'm still here until November waiting for the Australian school term to start to go to university in Australia, then, you know, I could be uh, 
you know, I could be in World Super Sport 300. You know, I, that's always a, a dream of mine to compete in a world championship of some sort. You know, I, I'm going to be at the back. That's a, it's a, it's realistic. But at least, you know, I'm comfortable with Pirelli tires. It's not going to have to be the big jump I had to do for Dunlop tires in America. You know, right as I started to get used to them, you know, it was my, it was time to go home. Yeah. And, and, and you know, I mean, I, I don't think you need to be so harsh on yourself. I, uh, I mean, I, I admire you for being for being honest and, and showing your first season, maybe you would be towards the back. But, you know, look at the progression that you made in Moto America. You know, the gap from the front, you know, as long as you're improving all the time. I mean, yeah. you've got as much chance as anybody. You know, it, it just takes something to click and then away you go. You just need a shot at it, right? So learn by doing, right? Yeah, I don't think you need to be so don't you need to be so hard on yourself. Um finally, Axel, um obviously keep me informed of the dates and stuff because I would love to come back out to Thailand. I know that we don't um race there with world superbikes. Um but if there is a chance for me to get back out um to 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 watch you racing that would be really cool. Um how can people follow you? Obviously, there's going to be thousands of people that listen to the podcast every week. Um, obviously, this is our uh, second show back after obviously taking a break in the middle of the summer, um, just because it was just impossible to record uh, with traveling around like uh, like I have been. So I'm sure there's people listening that are going to want to follow your progress. How, how can they get in touch with you? How can they follow you on social media? My uh, my Instagram is at Axel M. Pedersen. And that's kind of like my one where I post, you know, all the things I'm doing. But if you just want to follow the racing, you don't care about the other stuff, then um, at AMP Racing Thailand on Facebook and um, Instagram is, is, is where it's at. Excellent. So I'll just uh, spell that out. I'm just bringing it up on my phone now just to get it right, just in case people don't yeah, understand my dodgy accent. Um, but yeah, you can follow him on Instagram. So it's Axel, A-X-E-L-M, as in the letter M for Michael, and then Pedersen, P-E-D-E-R-S-E-N. So Axel M. Pedersen. And uh, yeah, he's got over a thousand followers, uh, 107 posts, some really, really nice pictures on there, including a bike that is day glow orange and greens and yellow. Oh, yeah. It looks fantastic. That's, that's, so, my, yeah, that's, some... that's the pink bike, Michael. It's it's the legend of Buriram, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. You've got some great. Yeah, actually, I've, I've, I've seen some of these things. You've, you've even got a Jordi Torres knee ground picture. At, um, where is that? Oh, that's at turn one at Buriram. In fact, I'm going to like that right now. So your phone's going to start beeping right now. But that is one that's a that's great i love that that's great oh yeah that's uh that was my first track walk in Bury Ram, <laughs> and i of course had never gotten my elbow down before so you just so i was like all right go lay down on the curb and put your elbow down yeah absolutely and i've got to actually just noticed there that you have your racing number um number 66 um same as the uh the, the one and only mr tom sykes so uh yeah uh, i love tom sykes a, i was going to ask you is, is that the reason i mean was a no it's question. actually not um, I chose my number before I got into racing. I'd always okay. loved the number six and I always dreamed of being a, a formula one driver and then a formula one mechanic after I realized I'm a bit late to the party. So when I was playing the formula one game, always used the number six. And then, you know, I, I came to bikes. I'm like, Nikki Hayden is such a, such a bloody legend. I want to use the number 69. I'm like, okay, but it's, it's like 69. You're not that kind of guy who's that gangster, that person who deserves to use the number 69. And I'm not that kind of character. So I'm like, okay, 66, that's like your favorite number. It's a double digit, looks good on a bike. And um, it, it has a ring to it, AP 66. I think just um, multiples of 11 for a, for a number look quite nice. Cool, I like it. 
I like it. And uh, yeah, Tom Sykes will be happy that you're a fan as well. So I mean, actually, I'm oh, and, to... and sorry, Joel Kelso as well in Moto3 now, another Australian who's got the number 66. Yeah, true. Absolutely. Yeah. And he's had a, a good run as well, hasn't he? So uh, no, it's good. I'm interested yeah. to see where Tom's going to end up next year. Hopefully we'll get him on the podcast in the new year when he tells us where he's going to be, because obviously he's not going to be in World Superbike. I just have to say to all the listeners, it's so surreal to be on this podcast. You know, I'm in the um, in the same episode as Adrian Huertas, and um, hopefully he listens to this, but mate, I'm a big fan. It's pretty awesome to be on the same podcast as you. Oh mate, that's cool. That's good. I'm sure. He, I'm sure he's going to love that. I'm sure he's going to love that, mate. And I'm sure when he listens back, he's going to he's going to say the, the, the same to you as well. So uh, I'm, I'm sure it's good. But uh, Axel, as I said, we've now been talking for 32 minutes. The producer's going to shout at me because it means he's got to pay me an extra 25 cents um, because I've gone over the 30 minutes. But do you know what? I don't care. It's uh, it's my show. We'll keep talking. So I just want to say big big thank you, mate. I know it's nearly midnight over there in Thailand, so I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us so we can get this out um, before Christmas. So give my uh, best uh, wishes and love to you uh, to your mum and dad you stay safe uh, let her rip it uh, at Buriram uh, over yeah I'll be on track in, in less than 12 hours I can't wait for it you know I just get that feeling in maths class you know the luggage no, I need to get on the bike I need to get on the bike yeah for sure well, keep me keep me posted obviously I'll be in the States uh, by the time this podcast comes out but um, keep me posted how you get on I'll be following you on social yeah. media and I look forward to catching up with, uh, with you and the family in the new year but thanks again Axel for being on uh, on the Vroom podcast Oh, thanks so much for having me, Michael. My final guest on the Vroom podcast this week is the 2021 FIM Supersport 300 world champion from Spain, Adrian Huertas. And uh, Adrian, uh, thank you for joining us on the podcast. And can I just say before we start, congratulations, not just on becoming the world champion, but on passing your driving test this morning. I know that we were hoping to do the podcast this morning and you said, no, no, please make it in the afternoon just in case I don't pass my driving test. But the good news is, ladies and gentlemen, well, I don't know whether it's good news or not. Maybe everyone else on the road should be a little bit scared. But the good news is, Adrian, you've also passed your driving test. So congratulations, mate. Yeah, thank you. It, it was like uh, one more race this year. I, I, I was so nervous, but finally I passed. So it was an incredible year. And uh, well, let's see if 2022 is similar. Yeah, I was going to say, so were you more nervous for your driving test in a car this morning or more, more nervous at the final round of World Supersport 300? Well, uh, I think on the final round of Super Sports 300. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Again, for those that are listening, uh, this is our second uh, episode of our Champions Special on the Vroom podcast. Last week, we spoke to Dominique Agata. Uh, this week, of course, we're speaking to Adrian Huertas. And of course, in the future episodes, we'll be speaking to Toprak Razgatlioglu. So, uh, Adrian, uh, another Spanish rider to win in World Super Sport 300, the only other rider that uh, is non Spanish was Jeffrey Boyce. Um, what is it about Super Sport 300 and Spanish riders, because you guys have just dominated um, since 2017. Well, I think uh, on Spain there is a really good level, but uh, uh, sometimes we are a lot of riders, so some of us uh, have to move to Superbike. Uh, when I moved to Superbike, uh, honestly, I find something incredible because we our paddock is... is 
completely different to MotoGP because uh, it is more familiar, more, more good ambient, so on. So I'm really happy of my move. And I think the key of the of the Spaniards on the Super Sports 300 is that uh, we are really fast riders and in our country it's really, really good for training. Yeah, no, absolutely. I know when I've spent some time in Spain, I see always you guys on mini bikes and just going always on the track. It doesn't matter what the bike is, you know, whether it's the 400 or whether it's a little Ovale or a mini bike, lots and lots of laps, which is which is important. Talk to me just a little bit. We're going to talk about so many things um, in the next 15 minutes or so. Uh, we want the, the listeners to uh, to understand a little bit more about your, your life, what you do away from the track. Um, what a fantastic season. Did you expect the season to be so dominant? I mean, it was a, a fascinating championship. Yourself, Tom Buthamos, uh, also Jeffrey Boyce was involved up until the final round. Uh, but in the end, uh, you, you came out on top. So many victories, so many podium finishes. It was like a dream, I think, this year for you. Yeah, sure, sure. It was completely like a dream. I started winning on on Aragon, and then uh, I started to win race by race. Honestly, uh, I I was waiting for for more riders winning and so on. But uh, we we the the ones who won this year, we were really fast. So so the other ones. Uh, uh, had a difficult job to to win, but uh, well, honestly, to dominate like this, a uh, uh, category like the Super Sports 300, is really difficult. So I I was I was trying to win the championship uh, on the beginning, but uh, to win to win like this uh, with this dominance is really difficult, and I'm really happy about this, and I hope to be. The, the more dominant uh, on the Super Sports 300 for some more years. I hope the one who wins next year uh, respect my my records and uh, and well let's see what what am I doing on Super Sport. Yeah, absolutely. Again, for those that are not aware, uh, Adrian Huertas will move directly uh, next year into the Super Sport World Championship. That championship, of course, with new rules, new regulations. Um, but it's already been announced, Adrian, that you will uh, stay with uh, the same team. You're going to move up into Supersport. And uh, I'm guessing, although it's not been announced, you're going to stay with Kawasaki, right? Yes, sure, sure. Uh, with Kawasaki on MTM, uh, they have made a really good bet on me. Uh, they they put all, all their confidence into me. So I'm really happy about that. Uh, I want to to put Kawasaki again on the top. And uh, it will be my first year. Really difficult to enter in super sport like this, uh, but uh, I will try everything. Yeah, and it's interesting. Uh, again, you mentioned uh, it's your first year. We saw this year uh, Manuel Gonzalez, another Spanish rider, another former champion in super sport three hundred, fighting for victories. In fact, he, he got his first win this year. So we know that the level in super sport three hundred that step into super sport and then hopefully into superbike uh you have every chance i think to, to be competitive even in the first year but what is your what is your realistic expectation for next year adrian because you know you're going to be lining up on the grid with the likes of dominique agata jules cluzel federico caricasulo has only just been announced that he's going to be in the championship next year with ducati uh ollie bayless um Bulliger. i mean it's a it's a packed grid next year in super sport 
Yeah, I think the next year Super Sport will be one of the of the most level grids on the on the motorcycle world. Uh, but uh, I'm not scared. Uh, I mean, when when I came on on track, uh, everybody for me is like like uh, someone with uh, with a with a white leather without uh, any name or number. So I keep going like uh, on my own. Uh, so I, I really want to to know how how to how com- competitive can I be with a 600 because uh, I have made some tests uh, with with other bikes on 600 and I have been really 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 fast, really competitive. So we will see. Yeah, maybe the first rider to win the Supersport 300 Championship and then the following year to win World Supersport. No pressure, but uh, it could happen, mate. It could happen. Well, honestly, if, if it is like this, uh, I will be really, really, really happy. Yeah, and if, and I I win, if I win Super Sport again next year, I think I will make a big party. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, if that happens, it's going to be a bigger party than it was in uh, in Monte Carlo, where obviously Adrian was at the FIM Gala, as was I last week. And uh, it was uh, quite a surreal experience. It was my first time at the FIM Gala. And just to be in the room with so many world champions as a presenter was one thing, but for you, Adrian, to be there with with all your fellow champions, um, the Monte Carlo uh, Monaco FIM Awards, such a really special night, wasn't it? It was great fun uh, on uh, on Saturday night. Yeah, it was an incredible night. Uh, we had a really good time together with some friends that uh, I cannot see for for a long time. But uh, well, I think my party, if I win Super Sport, will be better. Yeah, no, no question. No question. Now, a lot of people listening to the podcast, um, they they like getting to know the riders in a a different way. So um, why don't you take us back to the very beginning? I mean, you're still only a teenager, um, but how did you get into racing? How old were you when you started? Um, Just tell us the journey that you've been on to get into the World Championship. Well, honestly, by by my side, uh, I had had uh, a really difficult career because I I started uh, really young with the because my father bought some mini bikes and then my sister was the one riding but uh, finally I I started to ride also and well I am I am the one continuing and not my sister because uh, she was scared uh, if if he if she continues then I can I can have an injury or something like that so uh, <clears throat> I'm really happy about the, about my career because uh, my my family is uh, really humility. Uh, we didn't had uh, big big amounts of uh, of money uh, as budget. So well, uh, I have been riding every time on uh, promotional categories and so on. Uh, stepping uh, uh, step by step uh, of categories, so I'm really happy about doing like this because I have suffered a lot, but uh, I have already learned a lot, and uh, well, I'm really happy about that. Uh, I know I'm on the on the world championship and being world champion because of my talent. So well, I'm really happy about about this, and I I hope to. To continue my career, I continue growing up, and uh, well, let's see where where can I arrive. 
Yeah, I didn't know that your sister um, was a rider as well. So I'm interested if, if we if we set up a, a mini race in the paddock next year uh, with you and your sister, do you, you think she's uh, going to be as fast as you? You think she can beat you? Uh, well, uh, I think we can try. We can try something something good, uh, or probably on the cards or something like that, because she drives really well. So we can make like a challenge uh, be- between my sister and me. And uh, it will be funny for sure. Yeah, no, I like that. And obviously, you're going to be racing at Donington Park next year uh, for the very first time. Donington uh, will run Superbike and Supersport, which is great for the British fans. Uh, and one of the things that we've missed at Donington Park for the last few years is the charity day, the charity concert uh, for Two Wheels for Life. So we normally invite the riders onto the stage and we, we raise a lot of money for charity by auctioning off um, helmets and leathers and gloves. Uh, and even some of the riders sing. So maybe uh, we could get your, you and your sister to do like a duet to raise some money for, for charity. What do you think? How is your singing voice, Adrian? For sure. I think, I think we can make something. I don't know if my sister is coming there, but uh, if, if we made the, the charity event, I, I will make uh, her to, to come. And I think it's really good to, to earn some money for the for the charity event because uh, it is really important to think also on the ones on the ones who need the, our help. Absolutely. So those that are listening, you've heard it here. It's an exclusive. Adrian Huertas will be singing in the Two Wheels for Life charity. What what kind of music do you normally listen to, though, Adrian? I mean, we, we have to we have to be clear on what the song choice is going to be here. I mean, are, are we going a bit of rock, old school rock, or are we uh, commercial pop, a bit of bit of techno? What, what what kind of music can we be expecting at Donington? Well, honestly, by my side, I I listen a lot of reggaeton. The the new the new Latin sense of one. So, yeah, nice. yes. uh, I, I am listening reggaeton, but I like uh, almost uh, all the music. So, we can hear what, what the people, what the fans want. No, absolutely. This will be good. I'm looking forward uh, to that. Now, a little bit earlier on in the show, we were speaking to uh, a young rider uh, from New Zealand uh, who was racing in Moto America this year, Axel Peterson. And uh, he was very excited when we said that uh, you were going to be on the show. He said uh, it's a, it was a real pleasure for him to be on the same episode as, as Adrian Huertas. And, and he wanted to also say congratulations uh, to you. Um, we spoke a little bit as well with a number of young riders um, who also look up to you and, and, and your achievements. What advice would you give, Adrian, to any youngsters out there that are maybe just starting out on ovales or maybe just thinking about, you know, racing in the, the, the ESBK or the CIV, they're maybe only 14, 15. Uh, what advice would you give to, to the young riders um, to, 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 to make a success in, in the world championship? Because it's not easy, as you said, it's, it, unless you have budget, it's not easy. I mean, but you've proven that, that you can still make it. So what advice would you give? Well, I think uh, my only advice is if, if, you've, uh, if you have a bad moment, just keep going because uh, on your career you can have uh, any bad moments because I have felt uh, some of them, but uh, you have to keep going. I mean, until until you finish uh, your last race or or you finish on racing, everything can can happen. Uh, you can always uh, be called by someone to ride or something like that uh, to have an opportunity. And you can also win, like me. Uh, for example, I have been close to to stop racing uh, on 2019 and 2020. And well, look at me now, 2021 world champion. 
So I'm really happy about the keep going. Uh, I, I, my only advice is, is that it, because if, if uh, the things are good for you on a good way, everything is so easy. But uh, you have to know that in this world, you can, you can have uh, some bad moments, but you have to keep going. Uh, take it as a good benefit, not, uh, not as a disadvantage. And uh, well, make yourself stronger and finally you can, you can go out of the, of the bad moments. No, I like that. And again, like you said, it's, it's all in your head, isn't it? A lot of motorcycle racing is mental. You have to, you have to believe in yourself. As you said, you were so close to, to stopping racing, but you still believed. And, and as you said, look at you now, two years after you almost stopped racing, you're the world champion. It's, it's, uh, it's very important to, to stay mentally strong and to keep that belief. Yeah, sure, sure. If I if I have uh, stopped racing, then uh, I will be working with my father on the on the workshop or something like that. But uh, look at me now, uh, working on on my dreams. So I'm really happy. Yeah, for sure. And obviously, when you were when you were growing up, obviously watching MotoGP, World Superbike, which which were the riders that inspired you? Who did you enjoy watching racing when you were a youngster? Well, uh, I have always uh, loved some some guys of uh, MotoGP, like uh, I don't know, Casey Stoner was also really really good, uh, really good rider for me. Uh, I think he has an incredible talent, um, and I really like him. Uh, but uh, on World Superbike, I have always followed Tom Sykes uh, since since he was uh, running. On 2013, for example, when he was on KRT, I think by winning, uh, well, it was incredible. So I have always followed the superbike also. Uh, when I was young, I remember I had like uh, on the on the PSP on the um, on the electric uh, on the on on the video games. Uh, I have always followed the superbike. Uh, I think. 07, 08, and 09. Uh, and I have always played with uh, Cheka and so on, uh, with uh, Ruben Saus. So I'm really happy about uh, about joining the, the Superbike. I think probably they, they can make again the video game, this time by, by showing us also. <laughs> but, uh, well, uh, I'm really happy about being on Superbike, being on this uh, incredible family and uh, well interact with the with the fans because they are incredible yeah absolutely and as you said world superbike uh, very different kind of paddock to, to moto gp or bsb or moto america it's very inclusive uh, we have many many exclusive things in in the world superbike championship it's interesting uh, adrian to hear you talking uh, that you know you you're a big fan of, of stoner and um i don't want to call um, casey like an old school racer but you know the rules and the regulations now are very very different um i remember watching casey and the bike was always be sliding there was less electronics back then um so uh, it'd be interesting now to see how casey would do if he was fully fit if he could if he would still be able to challenge the likes of, of Mark Marquez. I think he would. I think he would. What about you? Yeah, I, th I think also. Uh, talking with my father, we have always think, what have happened if Estonia were racing now against the market? It would have been really... ...funny, 
really interesting for us. And uh, well, uh, I also like uh, really, really too much the stoner because uh, some people is telling me like my style is a little bit old, old school. So well, uh, uh, I really like uh, when people compare myself with uh, with these guys, with uh, these incredible guys that uh, have won a lot. Uh, they have made everything for the motorcycles. So I really like. Yeah, no, I think that's that's cool. And actually, it's 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 true what you say because um, you do have a bit of. Now, now I come to think about it, you do have a bit of an old school style and i guess anyone that's listening if you go on to, to worldspk.com or go on to instagram and, and have a look around you will see what i'm talking about uh, the way that adrian rides the bike is very very old school uh, and certainly the performance that you put in at the end of the season i remember the final race of the year at portimao um you won that race by three or four seconds which is quite unheard of in super sport 300 normally there's 20 guys all together till the end and uh, it's a different kind of strategy but you uh, you dominated that final round in Portimao, which was, I'm sure you'll agree, just a, a perfect way to end the season. Yeah, well, uh, about Portimao, uh, I, it is really funny because uh, some people uh, were talking about uh, that on Barcelona, Jerez, I was so nervous or something like this, and because of that, uh, I didn't make what I what I have to make. But uh, it, it hasn't explained because uh, on, on Barcelona, I crashed myself uh, together with Ana Carrasco and I injured one part of my, of my hand. So I were racing injured on Barcelona and a little bit on Jerez. So uh, I, I, I have a really hard pain, really big pain on, on Jerez and Barcelona. And uh, well, for Portimao, when I was... Uh, when I was getting better, uh, then <coughs> also I put all my pressure off uh, because of winning on, on Saturday. So, uh, well, Portimao 2 was uh, the race the race we have deserved all this year because uh, I have pushed too much on a lot of races. I have lead a lot of laps and I think I deserve the, a race like this. Like, uh, well, being alone, uh, winning with a good celebration, uh, showing to, to my people that they deserve also this win. So I'm really happy that uh, that Portimao finishes like this. And, well, I hope to, to Aragon start again, like, on the same way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, we've been chatting now for, for over 20 minutes. So just two more Two more quick questions and then we'll let you uh, get ready for, uh, well, get ready for preparing for Christmas, I guess, because uh, it's not too far now before uh, Christmas is going to be upon us. Uh, what, are your plans, what are your plans for Christmas, uh, Adrian? Do you, do you stay at home? Do you stay in Spain with the family or do you, do you go on holiday? Yeah, well, I, I, was, uh, I was trying to, to go on training now for some days and spending the, the holidays on, on Malaga together with with uh, Nico Ferreira, but uh, on, on my family, Christmas is Christmas. So they, they said me, no, 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 you cannot go. <laughs> you cannot go on out uh, for Christmas. You have to wait until until it finished. We have to spend the, the Christmas with all the family. So, well, <laughs> uh, I will have to wait a little bit more for starting training. 
And uh, well, uh, let's see, let's see how I spend. You can follow on on my on my social media. Then I will be posting everything when I put the the tree on and so on. So well, uh, it will be funny. I I I will try to be really active on social media and uh, posting everything. But well, uh, the first thing I will do is to to make my first lap. Uh, on on the roads with the with my car so well uh, let's see let's see how it is yeah exactly whereabouts in spain do you live actually where which city are you in on on madrid madrid okay so uh, anybody that's listening to the podcast in madrid get off the roads because adrian Huertas <laughs> is about to take to the streets in his car so uh, if you drive the car anywhere like you drive the motorcycle um, it, it's going to be interesting to say the least no, no, no. It will be if I drive like this. It will be interesting to follow the news. Yeah, yeah. I, will I, think so. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Uh, but I think so. I am, I am prudent. I, I will, I will drive uh, carefully. Yeah, you must. You must set a good example for everybody else. Uh, we don't want to see anything too crazy on uh, on four wheels. Save it for save it for two wheels and, and the Super Sport Championship. Um, final question from me, Adrian. Uh, it's a question that I asked uh, last week to Dominic Egerter whether he will continue to run with number 77 or whether he will run with number one because he's, of course, going to stay in the championship. And he said, no, no, I'm, I'm going to stay with, with number 77. Uh, it's, it's my number. We, uh, we of course, know that Toprak Razgatlioglu is probably going to run number one. Um, he's already said that in a few interviews. Um, with you, of course, you don't have the opportunity to run number one because you are no longer staying in Supersport 300. So which number will you race? And is there something that you've thought about where you can still have maybe a little number one or, a, I don't know, a golden gloves or something to show that you are still the world champion? Have you given any thoughts? Well, uh, I don't know what number I'm running still because uh, the list is not not, uh, not out. But, uh, well, I will try to, to keep with the 99. And uh, about making something uh, with the number one, if I made something, it will be something really small and showing really clearly that is Super Sports 300 because I think uh, by my side, if I if I step up uh, to World Super Sport, I am not the world champion uh, on, on that category. So I don't want to to show anything because I I think uh, to show it I have to to deserve it first. So well, uh, when I when I will start uh, racing better, then then I will try to to put it next year. Great. No, I love that. I love that. Well, Adrian, um, muchas gracias. Thank you so much for, for giving up some time. I know it's uh, it's about 25 to 6 in the UK, so 25 to 7 in Spain. So it's al almost dinner time. So I appreciate you uh, stopping and, and talking to me for the last uh, 25 minutes or so. Again, huge congratulations on uh, winning the World Championship. It's been a real pleasure for me this year to, to commentate on you and to have you on the Paddock Show. And as I said, I hope for the fans' sake that we, we get back to some kind of normal next year so we can hear you singing on the stage at Donington Park. That would be uh, that would be a real treat. Can you actually sing, though? This is the question. Can you actually sing? Uh, today, not. But if, if you tell me something, then I can prepare with a lot of time. Good. I like not, it. I like it. Yeah. Training and well, uh, I don't like too much. <laughs> no, it's good. A true professional. So, Adrian, have a fantastic Christmas. Give my best to your family, to your mom, your dad, your sister, to everybody in uh, Madrid. Have a super, super Christmas. 
and I will see you in 2022, my friend. Okay, have a nice uh, Merry Christmas and, well, see you next year. Thanks to Adrian Huertas and to Axel Peterson, who were our two guests on the latest episode of the Vroom podcast. We'll be back next week when we'll be chatting to two more stars of the motorcycle road racing world. Until then, give us a follow on social media at mhillofficial. Let us know any questions that you'd like us to put to the riders or the drivers in future episodes. And give us a few pointers of who you'd like us to have on the show in 2022. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in seven days' time. Room, your weekly motorsport fix podcast, is produced by Michael Hill and is edited by Gareth Bouch of Room Media. The music is by the Rain Dogs and it's a production of Michael Hill Promotions. <laughs>